Welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza. And in today's episode, I have a special guest. I have Charlie Lima, who is a listener of the podcast and has reached out uh, through email a few times previously. We've, we've gone back and forth. And he reached out recently and said, hey, I have a combination gym. We have a CrossFit gym and a personal training studio. And I'd love to share more of this personal training mindset and approach with our audience. So today's episode is really about how to do personal training, private training the right way, and how to treat it differently from your CrossFit gym if you want it to be successful, or not just CrossFit gym, but any type of group class facility and having a different approach on that PT side. So uh, first of all, thanks, Charlie, for for reaching out. And I love yeah. when people do that. I love when people are proactive about sharing their knowledge and coming on the show. I, I really enjoy it. So thank you for coming on. Man, I, I appreciate you and the content you put out is great, man. So hopefully this will help somebody listen in because I'm, I'm a sponge. Every time the podcast comes up, I listen. Awesome. So um, give us a little bit. I, you, he, uh, Charlie just kind of gave me a little bit of a gym tour of his gym. So I got to see a perspective of he's got uh, basically over 10,000 square feet of facility that he owns. He's leased out about 2,000 square feet of it. And he has this great CrossFit space. He has a great separate personal training space. He has an upstairs area, which has like offices and laundry and all these different things. And um, just tell us like, how did you get to this point? Did you, how long have you, you guys looked the way you do now? And, and where did you kind of start from with all this? Yeah, man, it's been a, uh, it's been a 18 year overnight success. <laughs> You know, Dave, Dave Ramsey says that, you know, he, uh, I went to his Entree Leadership Master Series back in 2013. And he said, back then, he said, it's been a 25 year overnight success. And that's exactly how my story is. You know, I started uh, as I was a college student at Texas A&M here in College Station, started personal training, fell in love with it, graduated in 2005 and went and decided to be an independent kind of personal trainer, right? Working for myself at a gym, uh, was there for three years. In that three years time, I went from being just me with, you know, about 25 personal training clients to having seven personal trainers working for me and a, about a hundred personal training clients. And then, uh, 2008 found CrossFit, went to a level one, came back, uh, proposed to the gym owner at the time that we should start offering classes. Um, he did not like that idea. He, he had been a previous Gold's gym owner and really wanted to stick to just a gym membership model, not deal with the headaches of anything else. That's why he would allow personal trainers to be independent because he didn't want to deal with employee personal trainers, which worked great for me. But anyway, that led to me leaving in August of 2008. I found a little 1,800 square foot space, uh, and, and that was right across the street from where this building is. And it was in that first year that I basically tried to launch my private training. Well, I had my private training. We went to the personal training studio model, very similar to the one I just showed you, but I just found CrossFit. So I wanted to offer CrossFit. So you had basically personal training clients essentially working out in the same room as my CrossFit clients. And within a year, I thought, man, this could be done so much better. And I found a, a, a separate location completely. It was about 1,200 square feet. Uh, got a great deal on that lease. It was in a high visible, very high traffic area here in town. 
and uh, was there for about a year and a half. And, and then the opportunity came to buy this building. And I could basically bring both that private training studio and that CrossFit gym, as I showed you, into the same building. And so that's what I did. Uh, the building looked nothing like this. And it, it was much like we didn't even have the outdoor space. We didn't have a lot of the stuff that you saw just now. And I always, when I share that story, I tell people, you know, it's like, imagine you moving into a, a home with your family that was like 1,800 square feet when you get married, right? And then, you know, three years later, you build a deck in the backyard, right? And mm -hmm. then five years later, you remodel the kitchen. And then eight years after moving in, you did like a pool. And then 10 years after you live there, you add like two bedrooms to your house. You know, it was a very... Like we never did anything all at once. It was, everything was done as we could. I didn't even show you our bathrooms because I should have. I mean, we've had beautiful bathrooms, three showers, three stalls in each one. So the, you know, it took a long time and it was never all at once. It was all as we saw the needs and as we could financially. Nice. Walk me through kind of the decision to separate the personal training side. And then also, what did you see as a result of it? What happened once you did that? Well, you know, in 2008, when I first opened my own studio, I, I, I didn't really know CrossFit was going to become a big deal. Okay. So I started private training in 03. 2005, I go to that gym, start personal training for myself. 2008, go to my L1 in May come back and I'm mean, still in the gym. So I'm having people run outside. I'm having people do all this weird stuff. In August was when I moved into my own spot, which was 1800 square feet. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to offer the, the, the CrossFit thing, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't really know how to, right? I, you know, I'd been to a garage gym here in town and I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have like, a pro well, then I kind of started visiting some other gyms, you know, and that really opened my eyes to what this model should look like. Um, and I mentioned a few of those to you, CrossFit Central in Austin, Dallas Central in Dallas, uh, Invictus in San Diego. And every time I would go out of town, I would go to a CrossFit gym. So, and I still do that to this day. And I just love seeing how people's layouts are, what their, what their space looks like. And so for me, in 2008, I, I just did the CrossFit and personal training in the same place because it was just lack of even knowing what, you know, it wasn't until a year into it, I'm like, this is not working very well. You know, like I've got, you know, my private training client of five years here working out with me who's know uh maybe 52 years old and then we've got four guys that are you know burpees and sweating and you know it, i mean it just was not really gonna be uh the vision that i had for both environments so i realized okay separating them which is when i did two locations that were about a mile and a half apart from each other yeah uh, that i realized okay this works a lot better having my crossfit in a completely different physical space building, you know, mile and a half away from my private training. Mm -hmm. And it was because this building was the perfect building that allowed me to bring them both back under the same roof. Gotcha. So you've kind of seen all iterations of this. You've seen pure personal training studio. 
pure CrossFit gym that's trying to include personal training in it, separate locations where you have a CrossFit gym and a personal training studio just completely away from each other. And then you have it separate rooms, but all under the same roof. What are some of like the pros and cons of each? And did you ever uh, have it where they fed each other really well? Or did you have it where you lost clients when it was just under one roof and it was just the CrossFit gym? Like, what did you see in terms of those different pros and cons of each situation? Yeah, we never lost clients because of the other one, you know, and in that 2008 year that was really the, the initial launch of our CrossFit, I would say it wasn't nearly to where it was in 2009 or 10. So, you know, we had a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 a.m. with a few people in a Tuesday, Thursday, 4.30 that were literally like my two pastors from my church just supporting me. So it was like, we never had a thriving CrossFit program. So we didn't lose anything from having them in the same roof. But there's definitely, I think, the con or the downside is those are two separate customers that you're trying to market to. And so I always tell people it would be like, there being a, you know, Taco Bell stand inside of a loopy tortilla. And I don't know if you guys have loopy tortilla. If you don't, I'm sorry. We but don't. Loopy <laughs> tortilla is the best, you know, fajitas, Mexican food. But, you, you know, on average, for you and your family to go to loopy tortilla, you're going to spend 60 bucks. Yeah. You know, Taco Bell is, you know, five bucks, right? So not to say that you're bad if you eat one or the other, but you're expecting a different environment yeah. when you walk into Taco Bell. You're, you know, take Starbucks, for example. Like, you know, um, there, there's a different environment than, let's say, uh, you going to a steakhouse for a date yeah. night with your wife. You know, when you're in Starbucks, you want to go in and out. You want to, you, you know, it doesn't mean you, you want to meet your barista and this and that, but at the same time, the CrossFit member has a different experience in their mind mm -hmm. than a personal training. Like a personal training client does not want to work out around 15 or 10 people, yeah. you know, and, and experience. And not to say that in a bad way, because I, I love both of the customers and I want to make sure that the environment is going to encourage both customers to continue doing what they need to do or want to do to work out. Yeah, I love it. It makes me think of, um, I've heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about this from social media, media perspective is like, if you imagine a client that's going on to Pinterest versus someone who's going on to Facebook, they want yes. two different things. And it, it could actually be the same person. Like it could be me now versus me six months from now, but I have a completely set different set of expectations, wants, desires because of me choosing personal training versus CrossFit at that that's moment. That's right. And I've always said it, it's just a different customer you know and so there really is no benefit to doing them both in the same space other than you know maybe less overhead if you don't have the, the space you know and then i've seen people try to carve out a little area in their crossfit gym for private training and to me that's i mean that's not the solution you know because you're basically still in a crossfit gym yeah um, the one thing that jumps out to me is you seem like you have a really high passion for both. And I think it's that that's also rare in and of itself for a coach to be very passionate about both paths. I think the most common scenario that I see is that coaches 
get excited about CrossFit because that's what they fell in love with. So they're really in love with this group class. And then a lot of them aren't as excited to do personal training because for them, it comes off as, as boring. It's not as interesting. And I, I guess, where does that passion come from? Cause I think it could help a lot of other coaches find that passion. So what do you love about personal training? I'll, I'll, I'll say this and I'm not trying to be rude to anybody, but if you think personal training is boring, you need to do a different career. Um, cause then you've missed it entirely when it comes to what we do for a living. In essence, personal training is what we do. We build relationships, right? So if you're not passionate about getting to know another person, which is what happens in personal training. We, of course, we're going to work out. I mean, that's, I tell people that's like the obvious thing. Like I have to know how to train, how to program, but what personal training is 100% about building a relationship with another human being. And if you don't want to do that and you just basically like the CrossFit because, you know, maybe you're on stage, maybe you're just passionate about you know, CrossFit, the, the, the games, you really aren't going to thrive in this career because the entire uh, business model is about building relationships. And so to me, I love personal training because my clients are my best friends, right? And it's the same reason I love CrossFit, right? I mean, I love CrossFit because my members are my best friends. And I believe 100% in the CrossFit methodology I believe in what I learned at my level one. I believe in the way that they hold a high standard for fitness and movement. And so, you know, but I was a personal trainer first. So, you know, I've been personal training five years, building great relationships with clients. And I tell people all the time, if you want to be a personal trainer, you have to be passionate about fitness and equally, if not more so passionate about people. And so, that's what I love about personal training. CrossFit, I did not see that coming. You know, in 2008, I was having fun. I was loving what I was doing. I was, you know, uh, loving my personal workouts. You know, I do kind of your typical Monday, chest and back, Tuesday, back and body, or shoulder, arms, whatever, shoulders. But when I went to CrossFit, man, and now to this day, so that's, that was 2008, I was 26 years old. I'll be 39 in a couple of weeks. And I, I still do CrossFit. I work out in my classes. You know, it is by far to me the best fitness program on the planet. And so personal training clients are getting essentially a form of CrossFit, right? They might not, we, we don't call it CrossFit and we're not necessarily having a clock on everything we do, but man, it's, it's enhanced and influenced my private training uh, knowledge so much that I can't help but inter in intersect it into everybody's workout plan. Yeah, that's one thing I want to ask about is what what differences are there from a programming perspective? Because I think that's also where coaches get caught up is they try to completely replicate what's happening in a class experience and just doing it one on one. It, so yeah, go ahead. It is it is not at all what you do in a class, and that's probably wow. where they get frustrated. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, a class is uh, your, your members are probably very uh, compliant to the protocol. In other words, there's a very, you know, a lesson plan is a great example of uh, running a good class, right? From minute zero to minute 10, we're going to do our warm up and we're going to do these things. And then 
from minute 10 to 14, we're going to do, and everybody's kind of like doing that. And of course you're walking up to people and you're adjusting things and you're modifying and you're doing this and you're saying hi to this person, catching up. Private training is completely, like you might have somebody that comes in and you might have to rewrite your whole workout. <laughs> like yeah. it, it just might not be the way you thought it would be. And if you go in very rigid and thinking that, you know, you've written out this perfect workout and think that if you don't execute it, it's a fail, you're missing the point completely. We have to work out. That's the reason they come see us. So that's the obvious thing that we need to do. But I also have to be able to read my customer, read my client, read my friend, know the mood they're in, know how their day's been, how their morning's been, how their week's been, and be able to make adjustments as needed on our warm up, on our workout. And I'll tell you this right now like, you know, this morning I had a, a client come in and it looked a lot like my old workouts pre CrossFit. You know, we did bench press, um, we did a lot of sets built up heavy, and then we went to a dumbbell incline with dumbbell curl superset you know it, mm -hmm. so it's like you, you have to have that in you too to know that like i love crossfit but maybe this person doesn't need crossfit or maybe this program so it's like you have to know people like i've i've trained for 18 years so i've trained just about every age every size you know every type of fitness level that you, you can imagine and the more experience you have, the better prepared you are to make adjustments, to make programs, to help each person. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the coaches that we have at our gym that are successful with PT, their PT sessions look very different from a class. You know, they're doing a lot of what you say, what you're saying, a lot more bodybuilding stuff, a lot more tempo stuff. Uh, less and less stuff that looks like a Metcon and the person's sweaty by the end of it, but it's not like a defined Metcon necessarily. You, you know, usually it's several strength supersets, some accessory work. It's a lot of stuff that they're not going to get in the group setting. And, you know, what, what you brought up is that that client is not only looking for a different experience from the group class setting in the sense that they might not want to be around people versus wanting to be around people, but they also will hopefully have more defined goals that they want to have that goes outside of GPP. And you have to actually be able to build a program that fits those goals. And, I, and I'll, I'll add this, you know, Andrew, I tell this to my trainers. If we think it's about the workout, we don't get it either. Right. It's mm. like, we cannot sit here and think, and this is when I say it is about the workout, but it's not right. So if yep. I sit there and I put this perfect workout together, that's not why they're here, you know? And so we have to work out. And I, like I say that the obvious thing is you need to, you need to know what their goals are. You need to get them to their goals. You need to monitor, right? You need to prevent them from injury, you know, make sure you're programming, you know, in the way that's not going to get them hurt. But at the same time, it's not about the workout. You know, that's not what it is. They, they, personal training clients know they need to work out. They, they know that's an important part, but they want to do it with somebody they enjoy hanging out with, right? They want to yeah. do it with, with somebody they enjoy spending time with, somebody they can trust. One of the, if, if anybody's listening and their personal training book of business is terrible, I'll tell you right now, you're probably not very reliable because 
personal training clients, well, I, I would say every human on the planet wants somebody reliable, but personal tra training clients want somebody who's reliable. In other words, do you want to go to a hairstylist that cancels on you 10 minutes before your appointment or the day before your appointment? Or do you want to um, go to a massage therapist that texts you the night before and says that she's not feeling well? You know, well, I guess right now during COVID, you'd probably be grateful. But, you know, who, like so many personal training trainers, they're just not reliable. And it's like that alone is going to make you not have people that want to work out with you, right? But at the same time, you got to be somebody that people enjoy being around. You know, if there's awkward silence for more than like 45 seconds in your private training session and they're not in the middle of like maybe exerting a lot of energy, in other words, there's just this like lull period, like you're, you're not, you're not understanding what your job is during that time. Mm. You know, your job, and, and it should be something you enjoy doing is to really get to know that person. Yeah. Right. The, I know that my clients will not work out unless they work out with me. Like it's my, I, I tell people when I take on a personal training client, it, I really feel like it's my responsibility to keep them working out for the rest of their life. Because I know that if they're not in that relationship with me, that they just won't work out. And it's not because they're bad people. It's just because they won't prioritize it. And I often will say, look, there's nobody else on the planet that wants you to be healthy more than me. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your boss, not your brother or sister. There's no person on the planet that wants you to be healthy more than me. So it's like my responsibility. And personal trainers, if, again, if you don't feel that conviction to help them in that way, then you don't get it. And that's why you retain clients because you it's yes it's obviously going to help your business but you it's a responsibility you know it's kind of like a child like you have a kid or i have four like i have a responsibility to be the father of those kids and to raise them well i take on that same responsibility as a trainer when you become my client forever and when you understand that you become you know, really good at helping them and supporting them and building a relationship with them and programming for them and keeping them in the gym. So how much for you when you're running a session and you're trying to, you know, sort of avoid these long lulls of not having conversation and you're going to the session knowing that, okay, I want to be, I want to be the person that this person just enjoys hanging out with, but I also want to help them get to the goals how much of it is, do you feel like you're really intentional about directing that conversation? And how much of this is just about keeping the conversation going? Great question, Andrew. So here's what I tell people. You know, again, I've been doing this for 18 years. When, when I sign up a private training planner, when you become my customer, my client that I work with, I always know where we're going. In other words, I know where we're going. It, we might appear to the outside world to be going in an entirely different way than we should be for a, a season. And I mean that, like, you know, if you're the spouse of one of my clients, you might even question the fact if Charlie's doing his job because, you know, maybe 
you haven't lost weight or maybe you're, you know, but you got to keep in mind, this is more psychology, right? Than it is uh, workout programming. And so I know where we're going and we're going to get there, but it's, you know, it, it really is going to depend on you if I'm honest and you'd be amazed. Like when my client is like, for example, I had a guy who, who still works with me to this day. Uh, we're going on like a 15 year private training relationship for the first 10 years. You would, you would have honestly, like, if you were truly judging me as a trainer, you would have been like, man, I don't know if you're a very good trainer. I mean, not to say that in a terrible way, but he just wasn't, you know, he would miss a lot. He would cancel late. We would work out some, you know, this and that. Well, about five, four or five years ago, man, he was ready. And you know what the most important thing was? I was there and I had been there all along. And he went from 26% body fat to 4% body fat. And, and that's, you know, again, I know what to do. Like, let's be honest. I wouldn't be doing this for 18 years if I didn't know how to get you where you want to go. But what I have to understand is that, man, it's, we're going to be a lot more successful if it's your idea, right? Mm -hmm. If, you know, if high intensity workouts is your idea, if eating, you know, vegetables and chicken breast is your idea, if not drinking alcohol is your idea, like, the, the, it's like, you know, church and in relationship with the Lord, nobody wants to have you tell them to become a Christian. And, and honestly, God doesn't want that either. Right. But ultimately when it's your idea that you need him, that you need that relationship, man, life changes. Right. And so, but the key is just like in a relationship with the Lord is the Lord's been there the whole time. Like he never left. It's just like, I finally decided to say, Hey, I'm here. I'm the trainer. I never left. That's the key is I got to keep that relationship healthy and strong so that when they change their mind to eat better, to work out harder, to add another day of the week or two days a week, I'm there, right? So many trainers will push people away just because they're just missing the mark completely. They're more, it's more like I'm here for me, not for you, Miss. you know, like for the client. Yeah. I, I'm here as a trainer to check my box and let everybody on the planet know that I'm the best trainer and I come up with the best workouts and, all my clients know it's like if you're a trainer you're here for them what is serving them look like it does mean sometimes maybe getting them on the in body and having them realize that you know they need to make a change and we do that too right we have transformations and uh but at the same time a personal training relationship doesn't always look pretty in terms of results sometimes it takes longer sometimes it happens faster I love that story, man. That's good. So I have to imagine there were times during those first five years together, 10 years together, where you were not seeing results, where you were questioning what you're doing. And there's this really, I would imagine a very hard balance of like, I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I have your back, but also like, let me start to show you where you can improve as well and push you a little bit as well. Um, I guess, is there something you can look back on that you felt like you did that enabled him to eventually get to that point where he did feel like it was his idea? 
you know, I never questioned what I was doing. I, I always knew, you know, cause again, it goes back to, I think that if you get let down by people letting you down, you need to find a different career. You know, it would almost be like, the only way I'm going to coach CrossFit is that everybody has perfect movement. I mean, you better find a new job because let's be honest, how many people have perfect movement? None, not even me, you know? And so part of being a coach and part of being a good coach is that the fact that, you know, you're always pursuing something better. You're always wanting to improve something. And so like, with, when it comes to private training clients, like there's one fact, they will let you down. They're going to eat bad when you ask them to eat right. They're going to cancel on you 10 minutes for a workout. And all that is like, if that bothers you, you shouldn't be doing this. Like you're in the wrong career. Like you should have abundant level of patience for your clients and, and grace because that's what makes you a great coach, right? It, now, there's a difference obviously in not not coaching them either right because you have to you have to mm -hmm. and, and that's that's probably the what i would call the tightrope you know it's like you obviously need to make sure they're healthy and make sure they're going you go that's what i mean by like we're going where we're where i know we're going but if you judge me by one day or one week you're missing the bigger picture and only i can really tell you that that's what we're doing because them working out is the goal, right? Them eating right is the goal. And how fast it happens is based on where they want to go more than you. You mentioned this, uh, this abundant level of patience and said, you know, basically, if, if you don't have it, you're in the wrong career. Is that something that you can develop? Let's say you're 70% you're, you're on patience and you want to get to 100%. Can that be honed? Man, I don't know. Maybe. I, I, that's a hard question to answer because I really feel like I've always had that. You know, like one example would be like, uh, you know, uh, if your client, for example, is think of the, the story of the, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the prodigal son, you know, he leaves, he asks for his money, he leaves, he parties, he does all this stuff. One day he's literally like begging for food and working, at, you know, in, in an environment that his dad's slaves worked in. So finally he's like, man, I'm gonna go home. And how does his dad receive him? With open arms, he throws a massive party, right? And that's, I think, what a lot of grace and patience looks like, right? It's like, man, fill in the blank of the name of the client. Man, you've been gone for two years, but you're back. My arms are open. Let's get this thing started. I'm ready to work with you. Well, what happens if in three months they go on another two-year break? How are you going to feel about it? Here's yeah. the key. It's not about you. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. The trainer, when feeling frustrated, is making it about them. It's not about you. It's about the client. It's about the client ultimately making this giant step forward in their health, this giant step forward in their fitness. And when we keep our eyes on the client and make sure that it's about them, man, it's crazy. Cause then the focus doesn't come on me. 
Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, the one thing I hear when you talk is like, when you get a client, you have this level of conviction. Like this client, doesn't matter if they bought a month of training, three months, like they're a 10 year client, they're a 20 year client, they're a forever client. Like that's what it sounds like you approach your clients. Yeah, and it's not because they're a client. It's just because it's my, like, literally, this is my, this is what I'm here to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's so clear. And so, you know, I don't view that, yeah, sure, we can do all these things to, to monitor our business, and I think we should. But at the end of the day, we're talking about human beings that need our help, right? We're talking about something we're really good at, something that we have obviously uh, become passionate about, that now it's our calling and our duty to share that with a world that doesn't understand it, right? So it's like, we have something that could ultimately transform their lives. And, it, and when we understand that in the form of CrossFit, personal training or nutrition or however we wanna look at it, man, it, it's, I mean, it, that is what we're here to do, you know? How do you, how do you find if that's true? Because it, it sounds like what you're saying is, if this is your calling, go all in. And if it's not, get out and find out what is. How do you assess when you're hiring, when you're working, talking to other coaches, like if it is someone's calling? I'll say this. If you're in it and you're still in it, then it might be your calling. But if you're out, then it probably wasn't. You know, I'm here 18 years. I took my first client in 2003. I was 21 years old. And I'll tell you today, I'm more passionate than I was then, right? So how many people do this for three years, five years, you know, and they can't handle the early mornings. They can't handle the crazy schedule. They can't handle the, you know, long days. Like, dude, if that's you, it ain't for you. Get out, go find something else. Go, go do something else. Not to say that in a rude way, but like, Dude, I'm ready, man. I love getting up early. I love meeting with new clients. I love hearing stories. I love helping people. You know, like this, it, it, to me, this doesn't even, it's not even, doesn't even seem right for me to make money doing this, right? It's like, I'm just hanging out with people, <laughs> you know, like working them out, doing what I love to do every single day, you know, and it's like, so if, if you don't feel that way, then I would strongly question if this is your calling. You know, there's a, another place in the Bible that says, like, you should be very mindful if you want to become a teacher, right? Like a pastor, because it's not for everyone. And it's a calling. And I think this is kind of similar in that way. Like, this isn't for everybody. And that's okay. Like, because you're probably going to be very frustrated if you try to do this. And it's not for you. You're not, I guarantee you won't make the money you need to make. Like that's a current red flag. If you're not making the money you need to make, it's probably not for you because when this is for you, dude, you have no problem keeping clients. You have no problem adding new clients. You have no problem, you know, doing like that. It's just because it's for you. It's exactly what you're called to do. You know, the guy who's frustrated because he's not growing his customers. He's not, he doesn't have good retention. He's burnt out. Like that's the guy that, or gal that I would wonder, you know, and again, they need to kind of take a long look in the mirror and say, is this what I should be doing the rest of my life? Yeah, I think, that, I mean, I think there's a huge element too of when you are doing what you truly love and are meant to do, you just need less as well. So in addition to not having, you're not going to be as successful if it isn't your calling, 
if it's your calling, you don't get burned out by the late nights and the early mornings. You don't get burnt out by the PT session that's happening at an odd time. You get excited about those things. So you're less likely to judge how much money you're making and if it's enough, in addition to the fact that you're going to make a lot less if it's not really what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. All right. I think this is a great way to set the, the framework for all this. Let's get into some of the kind of the nuts and bolts of like how to uh, price sessions, how, how to structure sh- sessions, how to uh, maybe get some, I don't know if a lot of your people now are group class people that convert to PT or, or maybe you just get a lot of people that come in for both and how to know where to direct people between PT and group. So wherever you want to start, you can go. Yeah. And I'd like to t- let's go start ahead. with, let's start with pricing. Cause I also think here is where people miss it. You know, when I was 21, I started personal training, the guy I worked for, um, he charged, he owned the, the little shop that I was in. He charged $50 a session. And then he, for me, he charged 35. So I started out technically charging 35 a session. And I did that for a good bit. You know, I mean, I was a college student and it wasn't until I started getting really busy. Now I wasn't your typical college student. I mean, I was taking full-time courses at Texas A&M in my, my junior year, I was private training within, you know, the first year, 15 to 20 hours a week. My senior year, I mean, I was taking 16 hours of college courses and I was training 30 to 35 hours a week. My fifth year, which is, it took me five years to graduate. I was still taking full-time courses and training 35 to 40 hours a week. So it wasn't until like my senior year, or I remember when my boss, the guy I worked for said, hey, let's bump you up. I got this guy signed up. He's going to do two days a week and it's going to be $40 a session. I kind of was like, cool, you know, like, you know, I mean, I technically, you know, we had a, a certain way that we, he compensated me and it wasn't until like, almost like a graduation or something. I remember my first client, I went to 50 and that was a big deal for me that I, you know, I was charging that. And then I went out on my own, uh, 2005. And it was the first time I introduced, uh, like a rate I had at that time. I did like, if you came two days a week, it was $60 a session, which is kind of a higher price, right? If it was three days a week, it was 50, four days a week, 45, five days a week, it was 40, right? So that, and then I hired trainers and I started rate, doing their rates. What I've learned, the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is they charge way more money than they should for personal training, just because they think they're supposed to. And the problem is these trainers don't have the confidence like they might say it, they might like think and, and they have to say they're worth 80, 70, $90 a session, but in their like deepest, darkest hole of their hearts, they don't really believe they're worth that. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing ever because if you don't think you're worth what you're charging, you won't be successful. Like you don't even, you won't even know how to sell private training. And if I'm honest, if you don't have a full schedule, you're probably not worth anything more than $50 a session. Like take going back to when I was in college in fifth year and I had 35 to 40 hours a week of private training. That's like more than most CrossFit coaches work today. You know, like 
and I'm a college student still charging that 40, you know, maybe a couple people at 45. And so I really think you got to start low. And I don't care if it's lower than the market. I don't care. If it's really, you have to really get good at it. Like you have to become really good at private training and, you know, add more. In other words, charge more as you build a clientele. So, you know, to me, I think, you know, $50 is where most probably private training client. Now, again, I don't care if you're what market you're in this and that. I just, I think you just need to know what you're worth truly and charge around that price. And then don't really increase your rate until there's a demand for you. Cause if you're training eight hours a week and coaching CrossFit 10 hours a week, that means you work 18 hours a week and your private training rate is $90 a session. I don't even know how that makes sense. Why don't you get some $50 clients, fill your schedule up to 30 to 40 hours a week, and then over time, increase your rate as demand goes up for you. But a lot of times people try to make their rates so high because they think that's what they need to be charging. When in reality, they just need more repetitions. They, you know, they need more customers. They need more, they need to believe in themselves, right? And they need to have proven success with clients of taking clients from A to B or, you know, A to Z, whatever that looks like. So go ahead and ask any questions. I was just going to ask about the rates. Are you talking about what they should charge or what they should take out of that session? Because I mean, we at our gym, I mean, we pay our coaches, I think the number right now is 65% of what we charge. Um, and then you have it, you know, I know two, most two brain gyms are going to be 44, 45%. So they could charge a hundred dollars a session, but they might only get 45 of that. So are you talking about what they would charge or what they would get out of that? Okay. I'll say this. Those are the things that make the trainer obviously not understanding the, the direction that they need to be going. Okay. Here's the point I'm making. If this is what your career is, it has less to do with what you're making, right? So if you really get good at this, you can make whatever money you want to make. I really mean that. If you get really good at this. So it's, it's a short-sighted vision when you're looking at it based on percentile, rate. You know, Don't look at it from the trainer's perspective. Look at it from the customer's perspective, right? The, tra the trainer... It should just be thankful that they get paid to do it, right? Like, you know, so many trainers are so consumed with that. But in reality, if they work for somebody who is taking them in the right direction, I mean, no gym owner is going to limit it and not want their employee to succeed. You know, if I worked for you, Andrew, dude, I'd probably make, you know, I'd make a lot of money because you're the kind of guy that would see my potential. You would see what I'm capable of. I'd be billing out 40 to 50 hours a week of private training and telling you, dude, let's go. I'm ready for more, you know, and it's like, you're going to figure out, think about it, you know, it, but if I got stuck in my first year, like worried about the split, worried about the rate, but I need to just say like, okay, Andrew, tell me about this market. 
you know, what do you think I, how, if we sold private training at what rate, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially brand new to the area. So it doesn't matter what I did in college station. What do you think I should charge? What do you think I'm worth? And how can I get to 40 hours of private training, you know, in the next six months, if I, you know, do a good job of prospecting and sales and consults. Well, then I get to that, right? Well, you know, if I got to that in six months, first of all, you'd be like, okay, you're the first person ever to do that. And we, you know, again, we're going to make the money make sense, right? Like, that's the thing is, you know, and here's another thing, probably a lot of CrossFit gym owners don't really know how to compensate or how to even handle what I would call a really thriving personal trainer, you know? And so since I was one, I mean, I, I know what that personality is. I know what drives that personality. I know how to, how to uh, encourage that personality. And, and so of course we have to make the finances make sense. Like, I don't want to make it sound like, like I'm, I'm going away from that question, but the, the right person needs to not worry about that in the beginning. They need to worry more so about how do I get busy? How do I get a clientele? And if I have to charge, you know, the, what would the client be willing to pay? You know, and, and I'll say this, more people are willing to pay 50 to $60 an hour for private training than 90 to a hundred. Yeah. I think it's a great framework. I mean, the one thing that I think about with our, our coaches is that, we have the ability to do what we love, deliver a valuable service after essentially a weekend certification. And had we gone to school for this, which some people did, but you know, if you think of this big picture, if you were to go to school for this, you would usually take you know, four to eight years to go into a medical field and you take on a whole lot of debt to essentially learn your craft. And what I hear you saying is basically, if you have the ability to make any money at the point that you're learning and honing your craft, you're doing fantastic and approach it more from the standpoint as you're getting the education, you're getting the skill set rather than getting too caught up in the money. And that's where I was, right? For three years, I worked for somebody, you know, and I wasn't making 65%. I wasn't making even 44%. But I wasn't even like thinking about that. Like, dude, I was loving what I was doing. I was loving working with these clients. I was, you know, I was obviously in college and I was, I mean, it was so awesome. And so if that's what your focus is, I really think your focus is in the wrong area. I'm not saying it's not for you. I'm just saying you really need to, if you, if you learn how to do this well, the money will come, right? I mean, it will be there. Your clients will love you. And, you know, Dave Ramsey says that profit is your customers applauding, right? So it's like, as a personal trainer, if you make really good money, it's just because you're really good at it. But there's a difference between me saying I'm really good at it and them saying I'm really good at it. Me saying I'm really good at it is charging more than I'm really worth, right? It leads to me being less busy than I should be. Them saying I'm really good is me, is them feeling like they're getting a deal training with me at the rate that they're getting and staying forever. And so, so many trainers are just over here thinking they're like the best trainer that deserves all this and they're complaining to their owner that they want more money and this and that. And they're just missing it, right? Like, this is the long game. 
if you're not willing to play the long game, you know, this career is not for you. So how do you know when to raise rates if you are successful and you are when busy? You, when you have so much demand that you don't have any more time. Like, in other words, when you're like, man, I can't, like, I can't fit you on my calendar. Like, I am literally, like, so <laughs> when I graduated and I had my own business, before I even hired a trainer, because I didn't even really think I was going to do this. Like, this was not on my plan. I graduated from A&M. I thought, you know, maybe I'd take a break from for one semester, go get my master's, maybe move back to Houston where I'm from. But dude, I went to, I went from having a private studio where I was when I started for three years to a gym where a lot of people saw me and I'm training all day. So now people are like, Hey, reaching out. Hey, can I train with you? Can I train with you? So I start taking on more clients. Now I'm so busy. I, I build out like 72 hours one week of private training. I was like, okay, I think I need to hire somebody because I just can't take on, I literally can't take on any more clients. I don't have the time. When you get to a point, let's be honest, that you're billing out 40 hours a week of private training, then it might be time to, to increase your rates. But man, like, I think that's, you know, people don't, they don't understand that you got to put some miles in before you can charge a certain amount. Like they want to go straight to charging more. They want to go straight to, you know, and they still haven't developed as a, because basically what your first clients are doing, what my, my first three years of clients were doing was basically paying me to learn how to be a trainer. Yep. And so, you know, for, and I, if I'm honest, if you're charging over, $65 a session, man. Like I would really like really wonder if you you're worth that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know? Um, and so there goes like why maybe private training and CrossFit hasn't really grown that much. You know, it's just, maybe people are charging too much. And I'm also not saying charge $25 an hour. You know, I, I, I believe in there being this really good number that, there's a value in it for the client, right? Uh, and there's the value in it for the trainer. And so um, depending on where you live and, you know, what your gym setup is, you know, plus if you're charging, you know, 90, 80, $75 to work out in a warehouse, <laughs> you know, like then go to Lifetime Fitness, you know, and or really nice gym and, and work out in a way nicer locker room than the one you're offering them, right? So it's like not just in the trainer, it's in the the facility, the environment, you know, so many of those things. Now, just to kind of bring a counterpoint in, I remember Chris Cooper shared this, I think he shared it on the podcast, but I think he said the average CrossFit gym charges around 75 a session. The average Globo gym charges, I think over a hundred dollars a session, or maybe just non-CrossFit gyms charge over a hundred dollars a session for PT. I mean, a lot of that cut goes to the gym, not the, not the trainers themselves. Um, but what are your thoughts on sort of devaluing yourself compared to that? Or is that just not even in the, the thought process? Um, I, I don't think so. Here's the thing. If you have a plan, right? Like, let's say I'm a, I'm a person listening to the podcast. I've been owning a CrossFit gym for five years and I'm like, okay, I want to start a private training business. Like I want to have this kind of dual threat, right? I, or two two revenue stream model well just understand that man just what i'm saying is doing it for like the first few years right like 
I'm not saying forever. I'm really saying like, there's no doubt you can charge the higher amounts. I'm just saying, get going. Like Chris Cooper's yeah. right. He's right. Like, you know, we should be, but at the same time, we should be when we're, sh when we should be like, you know, yeah. like not today when I just decided to put a little uh, laminated sheet of paper with 10 personal training sessions on it for $800, you know, like, let me sell some training. Let me get some clients. Let me prove to myself and to people that I know what I'm doing here before I start throwing up the, you know, these rates that are, you know, equivalent to the global gyms, you know, down the road. Cool. So what are your thoughts on um, taking on sort of any and all clients versus niching down and focusing on kind of a smaller group? And that could be something like weight loss specifically, muscle gain. It could be sports specific where you're working with, you know, it could be as specific as I work with lacrosse players, soccer players. Um, and I'm kind of approaching this, thinking about it from like, maybe there's trainers out there that are really passionate about personal training, but there's only certain clients that really uh, are those people that they just lose track of time and they just absolutely love it. And there's other clients that really drain them. And what are your thoughts on kind of just the niche versus the general approach for you? Um, I can speak for myself, right? So I can't necessarily speak for other people because I definitely think um, there are people that are just really good at sports specific, right? There are people that are really good at, um, you know, narrow focus demographics, right? If of specialty clients, I personally, um, I'm more general, you know, I'm going to, doesn't mean I can't train specific. You know, I, in 2008, the same year I got my CrossFit, I got my TPI, which was the golf certificate back in 2008. And, uh, and I'll tell you this, that, that was not something that I felt like was like, I didn't kind of go down that and like really enjoy that type of training. Um, I more so enjoy you know, we'll call it GPP, right? Like the person who just re recognizes they need to start working out, they need to get healthy. Doesn't mean that I can't do TPI woven into their program. It just means that, you know, if they want to become a better golfer, I, I well, first and foremost, it's, it's not necessarily my training. They got to get their golf coach, right? Involved in the process. And that TPI taught, teaches that. But at the same time, um, I think you're going to limit your ability to grow your clientele by having some kind of niche or narrow customer base. Um, and so for me, I've realized in the 18 years of doing this, that there's a lot more normal people than niche people. And so uh, if you want to have 40 to 50 hours a week of private training, a niche, unless you're going to go, like I went out to the TPI headquarters in Oceanside, California, and it's a beautiful facility. It's a, it's amazing. They had a special at the time, a guy named miles. He was a, he was basically the guy out there. Unless you want to go get a job like that. I don't know if I'd say be a niche, you know, I'd say if you're, you know, normal guy who just wants to be a trainer, you know, it's, you're, you're better spent time with, you know, the normal person that wants to get in shape, lose weight, you know, commit to a workout plan. Then you are going narrow. Okay. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you think this can be incorporated in most gyms. So you have these really well-defined spaces where 
there's walls that are shared between your personal training studio and your CrossFit gym, but they're night and day in terms of atmosphere. I mean, your personal training studio has this, you know, nice wood floor. Um, everything looks super clean and shiny. It's just, it's very different. And then your CrossFit gym is very much the prototypical CrossFit gym of, you know, sort of unpainted walls, grungy kind of feel, um, you know, not disorganized by any means. You have kind of that part dialed in, but you haven't tried to uh, make it upscale in any way. So how do you see that playing out in most gyms? Man, I would say that if you don't have the right space, um, you maybe should not be doing it until you get the right space. And you can start with just a room, like, you know, a little 400 square foot room. That's technically what I started out training in was just, uh, it, it, but it needs to look and feel different than where your group classes are taking place. Um, and I almost see the value in there being walls that separate the two, right? A door that goes, you know, if you have, let's say you have a, 4,000 square foot metal building. I mean, for $20,000, you can literally build out a 500 square foot room with the walls and a door, put some mirrors in there, some nicer floors, air condition, and basically say, Hey, that's where our private training happens. Right. So it's like, I think having a separate space is a huge step in the right direction because in a lot of gym owners, let's be honest, they're not going to do that. Right. Cause they just don't want to, either invest because they don't see the value right away but that's really necessary to kind of starting to um, attract the type of customer who's going to pay the private training rates who's going to stay for the the length of you know because most private training clients they stay for a long time because it's so it's so relational right it's your leg your length of engagement should be you know much higher in private training than in group. Yeah. So how do you, so I, it sounds like there needs to be a little bit of a leap of faith on the gym owner's perspective because they're never going to have it until they invest a little bit in it. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and we had to do that. Like when we bought more rowers and we had to do that when we, you know, replaced our barbells, like you're as an entrepreneur, you're always, some things work out and some things don't, you know? And so I'm just here to say that if you want personal training to work out, that's a big thing that you need. Now, here's the thing too, is like, will it work because of that room? No, <laughs> like so much more needs to happen other than just having a room. But that's a really th big thing that I can see that most gyms don't have. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to ask is from the gym owner's perspective, how do they think about the financial side in a way that they could be successful with it. So I understand kind of the coach's perspective of like, you gotta hone your skills, you gotta, you gotta put in your reps. But from the gym owner's perspective, they're gonna invest 20 grand in this separate room, then they probably wanna see some kind of plan to get that money back, right? Whether that's, uh, if they're patient, maybe it's a five or 10 year timeline or more, but if they're looking to really get that ROI sooner, like what, what, how should they be thinking about that? You know, if I'm honest, you know, uh, Andrew, I've, I've invested a lot of money in expanding my gym. Um, you know, our bathrooms, they caught, they ended up costing a lot more. I mean, they were about $150,000. Wow. I did not calculate ROI on my bathrooms. I just knew 
that the lines in the personal training studio for the two stalls in there were really long at different times of the day and things were busy. And I also knew that I, I wanted nice restrooms for my clients. And so, you know, I'm in this for the long game, right? So I'm not saying that every decision I've ever made has been the right decision, but at some point, like if we are sitting here and just like, if I don't make my money back in 72 months, or if I don't make my money back in this time frame, I'm not going to do it. You're, you're probably, you know, you're probably not all in. You're probably, you know, and again, I'm not telling everybody to go spend $20,000 on uh, expanding their, their private training business. But if, if that's where you're getting stuck, I think maybe you haven't even done the, the earlier parts of that process, which could be, you know, how's your on-ramps, you know, like that's private training. Like, are you yes. selling on-ramps really well? Are you able to uh, service on-ramps really well from not just from a coaching perspective, from a scheduling perspective, like if somebody comes in today and signs up, can you get them on the schedule tomorrow? You know, yeah. or, you know, are people paying that rate gladly? You know, like, I think there's some steps that happen before you do the $20,000. You know, it's like the bathrooms. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't just do the bathrooms. I saw that there was a need for them. I saw that there was lines in our other restrooms. I'd been in this building for 10 years. I was really, you know, I wanted to, I knew that we'd be here another 10 years. You know, there's, there's so many other things that you should be kind of thinking about that ultimately lead to hopefully making a good investment in your space. And I think one of the best things you can do is invest in your space, invest in your business, invest in your you know, uh, in your customers, right? Because the new bathrooms were not necessarily to make more money. I mean, they were just making to make the space better for my customers. And so, but ultimately they make more money because they keep people here when people come and they visit the gym. They're like, man, these are the nicest restrooms I've ever seen in a CrossFit gym, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, the other thing I, I guess I'm kind of asking for is I think there's a lot of gym owners that don't necessarily want to be the ones doing the personal training sessions themselves. And it sounds very much like you're in a situation where the, your ability as a personal trainer to just have that conviction that you're going to have clients after clients and you've done the work that revenue is kind of what feeds your ability to grow other areas of your business and maybe not have to directly assess the ROI of something. Whereas I'm kind of thinking of more of the gym owners that they might do a little bit of training themselves, but ultimately they would want to do this for their team. So they're having to assess and then they don't, you know, they don't have that really surefire revenue stream that you have from your PT side. So they're saying, okay, this is going to take away from something else potentially. That's a great point, man. I'm glad you bring it up because I think that's where a lot of them uh, probably fault and lack is they don't get it themselves and they don't want to get it themselves but they want the revenue from it and that's a terrible mistake right so it would be the equivalent of me owning a personal training studio and hearing about how great crossfit can be for my business and then me wanting to basically add crossfit to my business but not wanting to learn about it or really go to my level one or, you know, really dive into it. And, but when all the benefit of 150 members at $200 a month, you know what I mean? It's like, you tell a CrossFit gym, they're like, dude, that guy's like, that's a crazy thought. 
but that's what they're doing about personal training, you know? Yeah. So, so do you have to become mean when it comes to private training? No, but I think having like a person who's kind of like me on your staff who gets it, who wants to grow in, in your business and who potentially could become a leadership position with your business, who is saying, Hey man, I want to work for you. I get it. I know private training. I know how we could make this thing work, you know, and then you really relying on that person and compensating that person well and making sure that, you know, they're ultimately doing it with your vision, right? Your values, your mission, but like really supporting them with the $20,000 build out or the leadership or the accountability that they need to thrive, you know? So it doesn't have to be you, but you probably need someone, you know, and I promise you, that's not just the guy who coaches the most classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that for a lot of gym owners, in addition to, okay, could this be a revenue stream? A lot of them, the motivation is, okay, I can clearly see where there's members in our group classes that are not getting quite what they need. And then that motivation is, okay, what would that look like? Okay. It probably has to look like private training, private programming. And then they're thinking, okay, will this, this room or this, uh, this separate build out, you know, be worth it in the long run. You know, I think that's kind of the approach that I could see from most, but I think, you know, you have a really good just compass of passion and patience that really guide and guides what you do. And I think that all of us could use a little bit more of that. <laughs> well, I've made a ton of mistakes. I'm definitely not perfect, man. I appreciate you saying that. But when it comes to this, I, I definitely feel called, man, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I love it. I can see it. I'm sure all of our, our audience can see it. I want to have a part two at some point, but I think that's, that's a good place to wrap up for part one. So cool. um, thanks for making the time, Charlie. Is, uh, if people want to see your gym or, um, you know, I don't know if you do put any out, any content yourself or just connect with you. Maybe they want to shoot you an email. How can people reach out to you? Yeah. So we actually have two different pages because I believe that the customer for our private training is different than the CrossFit. So our Instagram, Facebook is College Station CrossFit, which is our CrossFit. And then for our private training, it's BoomFit, B-C-S. And uh, that's on Facebook, BoomFit, or Instagram, BoomFit, B-C-S. And then I'm trained with Charlie. Awesome. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Andrew.